Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. You came on a very good Sunday. It is the second installment of a series we are calling Into Me See, a series on love, sex, and marriage. Have you been enjoying this message series so far? I know we only had one message, but, you know, I wonder if there's anybody in the room, God's maybe restored some things even in week one. Maybe even you found somebody. Like, raise your hand if, like, after week one, you found somebody, you started dating after week one. Nobody. Okay. Um, raise your hand if you broke up with somebody after week one. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I will take either. You know, either is evidence that God is doing something in your life. <laughs> Found somebody or I ended it with somebody. You're not my God. Good. Uh, I mean, for that person, I'm sorry for them. But good for you. <laughs> now, I, I hope you have been, uh, been enjoying it. If you, if you are joining us for the first time and you don't know what we're talking about, a series is a collection of messages that we put together that kind of preach an overarching message. And the overarching message of Into Me See is that true intimacy, that's the play on words, is recognizing that God put inside of you three needs, the need to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. Some of us think we just wanna live our lives for others' attention and that that will fulfill us. But if that was true, then social media would fulfill us and we all know that it doesn't. Because being seen is not enough. We also have to be known who we really are. And when you are seen and really known for who you really are and then loved and accepted for that person, that is true intimacy. Not being seen, but into me see. Yeah, this title just made sense for the first time for somebody. Into me see. That is true intimacy. See, and that was based on, again, the idea that, that we're not looking for a man, we're not looking for a restoration, we're not looking for the fields, we're looking for those three things to be seen, known, and loved because you were created in the image of God, and God is to be seen and to be known and to be loved. And I want to keep that theme going before I do. Let me just stay on that for just a second. It is so important that you understood last Sunday's message. You can rewatch it on YouTube because it is the number one killer in all relationships. And I don't just mean romances. We need to expand the application of these sermons to your life. I don't just mean romances. I mean all relationships. Listen, it's the number one killer of the relationship between you and your mom. It's the number one killer between the relationship between you and your brother. It's the number one killer of the relationship between you and a friend. The number one killer of relationships, hear me, is trying to get from another person what you can only receive from God. It is the number one killer. Human beings cannot fill the void that God put inside of us. Only God can fill it because he created it so that we could search the world for him. That is the number one killer of relationships. A whole sermon on that last week. Today, I want to talk about, and if last sermon, last week's sermon was impactful but not practical, today is going to be very practical because I'm going to speak on the second killer of all relationships, the second number two killer of all relationships, which also comes out of your divine DNA, your divine DNA. In other words, not only were you created to be loved as God is to be loved, 
But because you are made in the image of God and God is love, or the Bible says that you were loved before the foundations of the earth, that means when I put those puzzle pieces together, I wasn't just created to be loved, but I was also created to love. Did you know that the capacity to love, nay, I don't know if I've ever said nay before, but nay, the need to love is inside your DNA. You know how I know? Because you have puppies. <laughs> People have puppies. Now let's just take a step back from what is deemed normal and think about it objectively. We have allowed a wild animal to live in our homes. Some of y'all even let them sleep on your beds. This is an animal. Animal. And we don't just let them live with us. We'll even clean up their stuff. And we'll feed them. And in the olden days, you know, they served a purpose, I guess. They hunted for you. They warned you of intruders. They don't serve any of those purposes. When my dog barks now, I'm like, we're safe. Shut up. <laughs> right? No. What is the real purpose of a puppy? Cuddles. We want to cuddle. We want to nurture. Because to love is in our DNA. Some of us know this not with puppies. We can't stand animals. But we love sports. Love sports so much. We love so sports so much that we end up like this guy. Right here. We end up like this guy. This guy has a problem. This is a grown man crying because his team lost. And that is probably that man's mother right there consoling him. This was the face that all Buccaneers fans made when Tom Brady said he was retiring. Is that too soon? Is that too soon? I'm sorry. Take it off the screen. We care so much about these grown men and women who care nothing about us. Why? Because we were created, it's true, to love. For some of us, it's not sports. It might be food or it might be fashion. Or I think this is why we throw ourselves into our careers and our businesses because we need something to love. Now, that's okay. It's, it's in us. But that need can get perverted in two ways that I really want to preach about the second. The first way that need can get perverted, catch this, is because we need to love. We're in a relationship and we love this is not even the message, but it's important for me to mention because somebody needs this. We love that person more than we love anyone or anything else in the whole world. Why is that a problem? Because you love that person so much that after dating them for three months, your friends have literally taken out an APB with the police on you because they have not seen you in three months because you are into that relationship. Can I talk about it? Come on now. You were that person or you had a friend like that. You lost all your friends because that person that you love so much became your only friend. You lost your purpose because that person became your only purpose. And this is real because it happens. You lose your God because that person becomes your God. And it always ends in resentment because at the end of the relationship, when it doesn't go well, we get mad at them for taking things away from us that we later realize we actually surrendered voluntarily. So that's not the message, but it's important to know, don't let another person become your God. Even, even when you're married, like you're my two, but you ain't my one. I tell the boys all the time, I tell them, who, who's daddy's number one? They know, like, Jesus, good. And I tell them, who's number two? This will probably be in the, when Liz and I team teach, who's number two? They'll say, 
Mommy, good. Who's number three? Me and Zane, good. But at that point, they're like, but who's 3.A? And who's 3.B? And they say, Daddy, who's number four? And then they know. They say, Journey Church is number four. But, so y'all four, okay? And I'm sure my mom, my mom and dad and my sister are somewhere in there. But, you know, <laughs> but, but they don't watch the 12 o'clock, so I can say that. And, um, and so, so, so that's, that's cool. Here's the real issue. This is what I want to preach about today. Hopefully my intro wasn't too long because that's not the problem I'm trying to solve. Here's the problem I want to solve. Here's the problem in relationships. Not when we're in a relationship and we love someone more than we love anyone or anything else. Catch this. But when we're in a relationship and we love ourselves more than anyone or anything else. All right. I probably should have said this before I started. Today is not going to be fun. Today is not the kind of message. By the way, every sermon is, is very encouraging at the end. You just got to make it to the end. So, so bear with me here because today is not a sermon for people who want to just feel good. It's a sermon for people who want to change. It's not a sermon for people who want mediocrity in their relationship, whether you're single, dating, going to be dating, in the, getting married, engaged, you've been married for a long time. You want the best version of whatever that relationship is. This message is for you because in the series called Into Me See, the title of today's message is, are you ready? Into myself. Into myself. I wonder, are you into yourself today? If I'm honest, I think I can be a little into myself at times. And if we're all honest, society actually elevates this frame of thinking. Do you put you first? You know, you're the number one, take care of you. And I'm going to tell you, if what we're talking about is self-love, I'm all about it. All about it. You ought to be able to look in the mirror and love what you see. Amen? You better look in the mirror and, girl, you better love them curls. You better love them. Straight hair, you better love your straight hair. You better even love your weave, okay? Because technically, it is yours. So love it, you know? <laughs> love it. You, you ought to love your curves uh, or lack of them. Love it, you know? You ought to love the color of your skin or lack of it. You love that, love it. Love your height, you know, or, you know, your shortness, love it. You know, we can get into small places, you know what I'm saying? And... They don't know about that life, you know. <laughs> love, 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 your, love your talents. You also, listen, when we're talking about self-love, you also need to have compassion on yourself. Sometimes we treat other people better than we treat ourselves, you know. Like we will talk to them kindly, but when we mess up, we beat ourselves up. You got to have compassion on yourself. So if we're talking about self-love, that's great. If we're talking about self-care, that's great. You know, you ought to be able to go do a mani-pedi every once in a while, you know. Fellas, you ought to be able to just go to the movie theaters just to watch a movie and go have some, you know, a dozen donuts of Krispy Kreme, which could also be interpreted not as self-care but as self-destruction, but, you know, just a perspective issue there. But, you know, you ought to. So, listen, if we're talking about self-love and self-care, that's great. But the thing that the Bible comes for is not self-care or self-love. It's love of self. Now, love of self is a biblical term. But it, 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 what we would refer to as is this, and it's the number two killer of all relationships. Catch this. This is going to help you so much. Selfishness. Selfishness is the number two killer of all relationships. I actually Google, and this the Bible says. First, I'll tell you what the Bible says, then I'll tell you what Google says. Bible. James chapter 3, verse 16. For where envy and selfish ambition exist... There is disorder, and please say these last words with me, and every kind of evil. That's a pretty hefty statement that the Bible is saying. John is saying that every 
evil is actually rooted in selfishness. So that means that every relationship problem is actually rooted in selfishness. So I Googled it. What are the top relationship problems? And I found a pattern that went throughout all of these issues. And so I got the top six. Are you ready for it? These are the top six relationship issues. And I'm going to prove to you how each of those issues is actually rooted in selfishness so that if I can help you with your selfishness today, which I want to, I think we can figure out the problem. And the way I'm going to do it is by sharing personal stories of how I'm can be selfish so that you don't feel attacked. Okay, that's what I'm doing today. Just gonna share my personal story, what I can improve on. The first one they came across often is long work hours. Long work hours was one of the top relationship problems. There was actually a study that was done that showed a correlation between the chances you get divorced, divorced and how long you have to drive to work, which I thought was crazy. And I, I understand what you think the root of long work hours is, bills. <laughs> if you're going to be honest, you'll say, well, yeah, I only work long hours because I have a lot of bills to pay. But I think in the world we live in today, in America, at least in this country, I don't know that I can fully, fully believe that because we live in such a blessed country that you could do something else, I think. Maybe it's because we devoted our lives to it in college and we have to do it because we have our degree. We feel like that. Or maybe it's because we love what we do. Like in my case, here's my story. I love ministry, always have. And I got the opportunity to be a youth pastor and, uh, at a young age. And, uh, and I remember my first youth ministry position, um, I went into the office and it was my first day. They showed me my desk and they showed me my chair. And they said, sit down. I was like, cool, it feels good. They're like, no, you have an appointment. I was like, oh, okay. And this teenager came in and the teenager says, uh, hi, this is my name. And um, my girlfriend just broke up with me and my, I'm here because I threatened to kill myself. So I was like, okay, cool, day one. All right. Um, I got the phone, called Liz. I said, hey, it's going to be a late day. What I didn't know was that it was going to be late day after late day after late day. On Friday, she calls me. I pick up. She's got no words, just tears. I can hear her sobbing through the phone, and she just tells me, I don't think I can do this. And I remember in that moment thinking, but this is ministry, and this is a thing not just I love, but this is what God wants me to do. And I thought for a second, I need to stay here and I don't put this thing first because this is important. It put food on the table. It, you know, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but it preserves my spot in heaven, which is not true. <laughs> my theology needed to work at that point in my life. I got to do that. And so, but it would have been selfish. Why? Because I would have been putting career and cause before their care. That day was actually the birth of Family Fridays. We now have this thing at our home. Every Family Friday is a day we spend with our family, and it happens on Friday because of that moment. So I had to know I couldn't put it before. And listen, you can love your job. You can love your business. You just can't love it more than the person you decided to spend the rest of your life with. You just can't love it more than that person. Single people, I know you're out there building your business, but at some point when you meet someone, you're going to have to be able to put them before that. Another issue that came up was character issues. You know, uh, it was like people who complain a lot or people who have insecurities or people who are annoying was one of the things that I've heard. I'm like, why would you marry somebody who annoys you, you know? There's only one of three reasons. Either one, they're a good kisser. Two, they make a lot of money. Or three, they weren't annoying when you met them. They became annoying after you married them. <laughs> And so, but uh, for me, my character issue was messiness. I was very, very messy. Uh, I'm not anymore. Liz has effectively discipled that out of me, but I was very messy. And honestly, it's because I grew up in a Latin home. And if you know anybody who grew up in a Latin home, our mothers 
are very, and I grew up in a Latin home with a grandma who also lived there. So they just took care of me, spoiled me. I never had to do laundry. I never had to wash a dish. I never made a meal in my life. So when I got married, by the way, if you're thinking about dating somebody, you need to see that person at home before you decide you want to start a home with them because the things that they show you in the home are the things that they're going to bring into your home. And so when Liz and I got in our home, I just left a sock over there, put a pant over there, a shirt over there. She was like, excuse me. Who do you think I am? I was like, my mom? <laughs> like, nah. We both named Liz, but no. My mom's name is Liz, by the way. And no, it's not weird, okay? And here's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm not changing. This is who I am. And furthermore, this is who you met when you found me. She, she was in my car. She saw how messy my car was. She was in my room in a holy way. She knew how messy my room was. She knew how messy. So when she decided to marry me, she knew the whole package she was going. Here's the selfishness behind the character issue. Ready? Selfishness says they should love me just the way I am. This is what the world tells you. They should love you just the way you are. Excuse me, how about the opposite of that? You should love them so much that you'd be willing to change. Isn't that what Jesus did? Wasn't he God but loved you so much that he decided to unwrap himself from divinity, step down into humanity, and change himself so that you could be loved? Maybe we ought to take the example of Christ who was willing to change who he was. You know, the aspects of him that weren't working for the relationship because you love somebody. Another thing that came out was fading enthusiasm. Fading, you know what this is, right? Fading enthusiasm is like, I don't know how to describe it, like the, the fuzzies, uh, the butterflies. You know, when you meet somebody and you look at them and you're like, ooh, you make me feel like you feel something, you know, like in your belly, you know, and you get nervous and you just, you know what I'm talking about? Liz and I, like when we first started dating, you know, it's that season of a relationship where I remember being on the phone with her and I'm like, no, you hang up. She's like, no, you hang up. And I'm like, no, you hang up. She's like, no, you hang up. And then eventually we both fell asleep on the phone and then I woke up to the operator, somebody, please hang up. Like, you know? So I was like, whoa, you know, hung it up there. And it's, those, it's those fuzzy feelings. You know, you know why it's selfish to leave a relationship? Because... You don't feel the way you used to feel anymore because that means that your love is founded on your feelings and that is selfishness. Put it on the screen. Your feeling, that is so selfish because your love is not a feeling. It's what you do when the feeling is gone. I, I love, I love Liz. She, she grew up in church her whole life, but she wasn't always a Christian. You know, you know how that math works. You know, that's most of y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so... Sometimes she'll listen to music that's not Christian, but she, she loves it. And I don't, we don't judge. And, and, and uh, I, mean, I don't judge. And when she, but when she hears it, she gets emotional. And this is one love song from like the 90s that's because she grew up in the hip-hop and the R&B. When she hears it, she stops what she's doing. She finds me. She puts her arms around me. She slow dances with me. And I'm like, okay. I don't know if you know the song. If some of you will know it, some of you won't know it. If you know it, you can sing along. This is the song, whenever it plays, no matter where she is, she just finds me. And I love it. So sometimes I like put it on the playlist, you know, on purpose. And, 
I get so weak in the knees, I can hardly speak. I lose all control, and something comes over me. And it's so amazing, it's not a face. You to stay with me by my side, I swallow my pride. Your love is so sweet, it knocks me right off of my feet. I can't explain how your love it makes me weep. Some of y'all went more in there than you did at worship. That's problem. I love it when that song plays. You love it, baby. I'm like, you know how long that lasts? Four minutes and 38 seconds. Because that is the length of the song. <laughs> and when the song is done, she'll be like, you love it, baby. <laughs> and she's gone. And I'm like, hey. I used to get mad, but you know what? It was the song for the moment. And that's the problem with moments. Moments go. My question is, when the moment is gone, will you be gone? Because love says when there is no moment, when there is no feeling, when there are no butterflies, when there are no fuzzies, I'm still here. That's why when we get married, we say vows. By the way, we need to work on, on these vows, people. Raise your hand if when you got married, you did the traditional vows, like richer or poorer, sickness and in health. I can already tell your age. Because my wife and I, same thing. We got married a while back. We were a little older. And so we got married back and we used the traditional vows, sickness and health. Because that was, you didn't have any options back then. No, but today, the like, cool thing, write your own vows. Which I don't mind as long as we both know what a vow is. I sit down with some of these couples. I don't do it anymore because we got so many people at our church now. But they'll say, I'll say, okay, let me hear your vows. And they'll be like, okay, here's the vow. Here's the vow. I remember when I first saw you and you were standing over in the corner of the room and my heart began to patter, 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 patter. And I knew from that moment that I would be with you for the rest of my life. And I'm just so grateful for the, it's a story about their feelings. That's the vow. So I'm like, okay, hold up. But what happens when the feelings go? That's what I wanna hear. Cause a vow is not a contract. A contract is you do something, I do something. A vow is no matter what you do, I'm doing. Poof. So, so, so we need some real vows up in here. We need some of the guys to just be honest in your vows. From the heart, from the chest. You know, be like, girl, I love you. And I promise to love you even when we go through the McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> and the person behind the machine says, do you want fries with that? And we both hear them. I say yes, you say no. When the fries enter my back, you have the audacity, having just declined the option for your own fries, to look at me and ask me for a taste, a taste of my fries, which I would not mind if by taste you meant one. But by the time you are done with your taste, three quarters of my fries are gone. Girl, I will love you even when you eat my fries. You know? We, could, we should do that. That should be real vows. I can think of some funny ones for the girls too, but we're already over time. But, so, but it's, it's what happens when it, so there's no feelings, no feelings. It's selfish to just 
well, I'm going to be married to you as long as you make me feel good. But as long as you don't make me feel good, I'm out. That's not what a marriage is. That's not what, that's not what a relationship should be. So single, dating, married, this applies because you need to know what it is you're getting into. Another reason why people got, you know, issues, addiction and infidelity. This is one of the main reasons came up in Google, addiction or infidelity. Now, I have not had that moment. I have not been unfaithful to my wife in that sense. But in one sense, I have. And the Bible says that if you even look at a person with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. I'm very open with the struggle that God delivered me from with pornography. And in that way, I was unfaithful to my wife. And I want to speak to addictions and infidelity, but addictions really quickly because uh, it's true that addiction, we've learned, science has evolved, we've become more evolved as a society. There is a level of addiction that is a sickness. Like someone who's addicted is sick and they need help. But if you do not decide to get that help, then the real sickness is not the addiction, it's selfishness. Can I say that? Because what we're thinking about is how it makes me feel and not how it's going to make others feel. This is the greatest lie for any addict. I'm only hurting myself. You do not live on an island. You do not have the luxury of living by yourself. You live in a world where people love you and the things you do even to yourself hurt the people who love you. And so it's selfish because what you're saying is I'm going to put our pleasure before their pain. Selfish. Finances is one of the reasons why relationships have issues. Also selfish. Why is it selfish? I'm not even going to say it. I'm just going to put it on the screen because at some point somebody says that. <laughs> They'll say, it's, it's my money. Or can I give you another version of this? And that's your debt. You're the one that bought that. You're the one that went to school for so many years. Not me. Your boy got an AA from Valencia <laughs> for free. <laughs> You the one that got the forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in English literature, <laughs> hundred and twenty thousand dollars. That's your debt, and that's my money. So don't use my money to pay off your debt. And the relationship starts to fall apart. Why? The moment that us and ours becomes yours and mine, it's coming apart. Can I give you some free relationship advice? Some free marriage advice here. If you're thinking about getting married, if you are married, joint bank accounts. I did not get one amen on that. It's okay. Joint bank accounts. Why? Because two become one. When you take on somebody, you take them on and their credit score and their debt and their income. All one. It's one. We're, we're we now. We got to get out of this hole. So another one would be communication was one that came up. And I think that's selfish. I know every time that I've gotten into an argument with my wife, the reason why communication has been an issue is because here's the selfishness aspect of it. I was more concerned with my perspective put on the screen, I was more concerned with my voice and I was more concerned with my way. I want to say my way, I do it, this me. And it's selfish. Now, the reason why I shared those stories was so that you wouldn't feel attacked, but also so that I can invite you to join you in my honesty. The fact that your pastor can say, hey, I can be selfish. Hopefully it frees you to say, I can be selfish as well. So I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. So on the count of three, I want everybody to say, I can be selfish on the count of three. This is going to be good. It's going to be therapeutic for you. It's going to be honesty for you. It's going to be healthy for you. You're going to need it. Okay, on three. One, two, three. I can be selfish. Yeah, some of y'all whispered that. <laughs> but I bet you won't whisper the next thing I'm going to ask you to say. Because now I want you to look at somebody you came to church with today. 
I don't want you to tell them you. Now, before you say this, <laughs> let me just, I, first off, you better come with the same energy that you used on the first one. Before you say this, here's your, here's your, here's your get out of jail free card. Ready? They won't even know if you mean it or if you're just repeating after the pastor. So when y'all go home and, you know, she's a little upset, you'd be like, hey, the pastor just said what he said. I just... Maybe you look at your son. Maybe you look at your mom. Maybe you look at your dad. Maybe you look at your friend. Maybe you look at your fiance. Maybe you look at your brother. Maybe you look at your, your, just your, your, your neighbor who you came to church with today. But I want you to look at that person and I want you to tell them with the same energy you used on the first one, you... No, look at the person. Look at the person. Yeah. Tell them, you can be selfish. Ooh, that has some spice on it there. Did you hear that, guys? The first one was, I can be selfish. This one was, you can be selfish. You guys held out the sh a little longer than, you, than is probably appropriate. Now, now that you got that out of your system, it's not about them. You let God work on their selfishness. You and I, let's work on you and I's selfishness. Yeah. Because you can't change a person, but you can change you. And so if we work on our selfishness, the selfishness that we admit that we have, I think God can do something special in our marriage or in our friendship or in my relationship with my dad or my son or my sister or my brother. Gotta work on me. I can be selfish. Cool, cool, cool. It's important for you to admit that because by admitting that is actually how you overcome it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in what? Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. How do I get out of myself? Point one, I have to humble myself. Oof. I don't like it. I don't like it. Humble myself? Oh, I didn't even know I was prideful. That's how you know. <laughs> That's how you know. Got to humble yourself. What does it mean? What does humility mean? Philippians 2.5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. This is what the Bible is saying, that God was on one level, the divine level. And because he loved you so much, because he loved us so much, he came down from the divine level into the human level to have a relationship with us. Did you catch that? He became a human, the Bible says, so that he can weep with us, right? Jesus wept. He became human so that he could face temptation alongside us, so that he could suffer alongside us. He came down. He didn't use who he was to get what he wanted. He changed who he was and came down to love who he needed. He came down, he stepped down. He stepped down. Why? Because love comes down through humility. It comes down. Love's got to come down. You can't stay all high and mighty, and love's got to come down, y'all. Let's say that I want to be in a relationship with my wife, Liz. She's sitting down there in the front row, and I want to love her, and I want to be with her. How does someone on my level get to her? How, how can our relationship, forget me getting there, but how can our relationship work if, if I want to be her and she's on that level and I'm up here? What, what, what needs to happen? Say it out. I need to come down. Some people are saying with strength, you need to come down. You need to come down. You need to come down. But there's somebody else here who is super quiet because you're thinking, or. Shh. 
she can come up. And that's selfishness. I'm not gonna come down. If she wants to be with me, she's gonna have to come up. Because, and it's your way or the highway. And that means after church, we're gonna go where I wanna eat because we're not going where she wants to eat. Because you can only have so much Chipotle and I don't want Chipotle right now and we're going here. That means on Thanksgiving, we're going to my parents' house. That means we're gonna do it my way, my way, my way. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do you wanna have your way or do you wanna find a way? Relationship says whatever it takes. If I gotta come down and I gotta step down, I'm willing to leave where I am at, even if she's not there, to meet her so that we can have a relationship. Don't be stubborn. Stubbornness says I'm not moving. Don't do that. That's not humility. You gotta come down from your positions in the argument. You gotta come down from your perspective in the discussion. You gotta come down. Funny story, I share it a lot of times during this series. There was a mom and two boys and they were having breakfast and they were eating pancakes and there was one pancake left and they were fighting over who was gonna eat that last pancake. And the mom, she looked over at the boys and she said, you know what boys? If Jesus was here, Jesus would let his brother have the last pancake. And one of the boys looked at the other boy and said, you be Jesus. <laughs> you be Jesus. Do we do that in our relationships? Huh? Somebody's got to submit. The Bible says submit, you submit. Somebody's got to give and take. You give, I'll take. You do your thing and you be Jesus. You be Jesus. And here's what you're arguing with me. Pastor, I would do what they're saying. Here's what you put on the screen. But I'm, you know how you mostly answer that. But I'm right. Pastor, if you knew the details, Pastor, I'm right. We gotta do this my way, Pastor, I'm right. Or, you know, depending on how you grew up, you say, but I'm the man. And the Bible says, wives submit to their husbands and I'm the man and there's a matter. <laughs> so you gotta do what I say, Pastor. Bible also says, don't be stupid. <laughs> Bible doesn't say, actually it does in Proverbs. <laughs> it does, it calls it fool. But I'm the one that graduated college, I know better. But I'm, but Pastor, I'm not the one that's crazy. And if you knew her story, you, she's crazy. So you got to be careful. Hear me. Be careful when you say things about yourself to put yourself on a higher level. And be careful when you feel like the argument is going the wrong way, so you say something about them to bring them down. Be careful when you remind them of the sin that they committed so you can win the argument and bring them a step lower. Have you been there? You're losing the argument. You feel like you're not going to win. And then you look at it and you go, well, at least I'm not the one who. Why are you doing that? Because you want the moral high ground. But be careful. Because the more you set yourself up for them to look up at you, the more you are looking down at them. And write this down because it's going to save somebody. The moment you think you're better, you will treat them worse. I don't care what relationship you're in with your dad, with your mom, with your fiance, with your spouse. Look at me in the eye, camera people. Look at me in the eye. You are not better than them. Can I make it even more real? You're not better because you make more money than they do. And you pay most of the bills. You're not better. You're not better because you diet and exercise and they Krispy Kreme and coffee. 
you're not better. Can I make it even more personal? Ready? You're not better because you go to church. And if you think you are, may I remind you of who you were before Christ found you? For all have sinned, Romans 3, 23, and fallen short of the glory of God. If you think you're better, remember who you were before Jesus found you. You're not better. I, 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 Pastor Joey recently invited me to go to the Lakers game with him. It was Lakers magic. And uh, I was so grateful for the ticket, but I don't really go to Amway that much. In fact, anytime I ever go to Amway is because somebody gave me tickets. And, uh, and, and the tickets that I got usually because there's two people who keep inviting me, they're like the box seat. It's called a legend suite. Have you ever been there? It's, uh, it's really nice. Like, you don't take an escalator up there. You take the elevator. Some of you don't even know they had an elevator. But they got an elevator. The guard is standing outside the elevator. You come out the elevator. You go to your suite. There's a guard outside the suite. You get in your suite. There's a waiter. And there's roast beef, and there's cookies, and brownies, and they know you by name, and, you, and it's awesome. And I love that experience. And it's the only time I've ever been to Amway because I just don't go normally. And so when Pastor Joey invited me to go, I was really grateful that he even thought of me. I only went because, you know, Pastor Zelly, uh, Zelly got sick, and so she couldn't go. And so, you know, my win, you know, I ended up coming <laughs> and went to it. So we went, and I'm not going to say, I asked his permission before I could share this story. But I'm not going to tell you much about um, where we sat. But what I will say is that he took the vision of the year super serious because we went into the cloud. <laughs> we went into the cloud. We sat so high. My Apple Watch was like blood oxygen levels are, are alerting. You Are you okay? <laughs> like, I have to get a basketball game. I'll be up. Yeah, it was, but we had a great time. I told them, I was like, Pastor Joe, I have fun, but I got to tell people this story. Now, imagine if I had left at halftime and been like, I'm going to get a drink real quick, you know. That's the guy. And I go down to the legend suite, and I'm like, what's up, JJ's in the house. You know, you remember me from five months ago? I came here, I sat right there. What's up, Andre? What's up, Roberto? What's up, man? Yeah, I'll take a roast beef. And I'll take that. You think they would let me in? Do you think they would let me in? No, because I never got to be in that room because of who I was. I got to be in that room because of who I was with. When you look at your station in life, when you look at all the rooms that God has given you access to, when you look at every blessing, don't you for one second think that you are in that room because of who you are or what you did or how great you are. You are in that room by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It's because he died on a cross for you and made a way for you. And if you think you're better than somebody, yeah, they might be the one who has the addiction, but you're the one with the anger issues. God died for you both. He's, he shed his blood for you both. He loves you both. I know who I am without Christ. And that here's how, let's bring it back to relationships. Here's why that's significant because now you can look at your partner and you can say in humility I don't deserve you because according to the Bible I deserve death but instead of death God gave me Liz good trade thank you Jesus let me talk to single people find somebody to date and to marry that you feel like you don't deserve I'm telling you that's what happened with Liz I still feel like I don't deserve her and I, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say it. I married up pray for her she married down I'm married up. I don't mind saying it. And here, let me help marry people. Are you ready? Let me help marry people. I want to help you out so much because you used to look at them that way. You used to look at them and think, how in the world 
Did I get so lucky? You know, right now there's some husband squeezing his wife's hand like, I still feel that way, baby. <laughs> but if we're honest, there are some days where it's like, how do we get that back? Now, before I continue, let me just talk. It's important to look at your spouse and realize, I don't deserve that. That is so amazing. That is so beautiful. But I want to, before the devil uses this as a misteaching, being humble is not the same as being abused. If you are in a relationship with somebody who is physically harming you, who is pathologically cheating on you, you need to get out of that relationship or find some help. Or, and we'll help you here at the church. Come talk to us. We'll, we'll help you find some help and some next steps. Being humbled and being traumatized are two different things. So I just want to get that. How do we find that love? How do we find that back? Let, let's bring back Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. You can bring back the mannequins from last week. Chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. How? <coughs> By taking the very nature of a what? Of a what? <coughs> Servant. Adds value to others by becoming a servant. Listen to me. Humility adds value through serving. If you want to see, this is single people need to catch this because this is the secret for when the fuzzies fade. Married people, this is gold right here. If you want to be in awe of your wife again, if you want to be in awe of your husband again, listen, it's not they need to lose more weight, okay? It's not they need to Rogaine and the hairline needs to come back out. If you want to look at them in a special, oh my gosh, how lucky am I way, serve them. Because the opposite of being selfish is being a servant. And when you serve, you add value. Let me get the money. You add value. Let me, let me help you out real quick. Single people and married people, you know this. When you get in a relationship with someone, the first thing you do, like, they're just so valuable to you. You don't want to mess it up. You're always coming home with flowers. They want you to do something. You do it right away, you know, right away. When you first start getting together, right away. After a couple years, it's like, give me 10 minutes. 10 minutes turns into two hours. <laughs> oh, you hungry? Okay, Uber Eats. Right? They're valuable. But over time, when we become selfish, in the process of our selfishness, we begin to devalue people by caring more about what we want than what others want. So in a marriage or in a relationship, when we get our way, it feels good to get our way. Because we won the argument. But by winning the argument, you devalued their happiness. You devalued their voice. They, they, they had value. You did something selfish. You cared more about yourself than them. That made you feel good. But at the same time, because you can't value and dominate at the same time. Slaves, and by the way, we still have slaves in the world today, and we have a ministry here that helps women rescue from sex trafficking. You can't respect a slave that you're dominating. You can't dominate and respect at the same time. Women, sometimes we do the same thing. Listen, when you vent, because that's what we call it, venting to our friends about the person that you're with, that might feel good for you because you got to get that off your chest, but by talking negatively about them, you just devalued them. To your mother, you devalued them. To your friends, you devalued them. Guys, when you force a woman or guilt a woman into doing something sexually in the bedroom that she's not comfortable with, you just devalued her dignity. And on top of that, that is literally the definition of sexual assault. 
So you are robbing her of her value by treating her as an object and not a person. That's devaluing. And we do it back and forth. We, we're selfish, we do it. And this is what happens, ready? When we fully devalue them by being selfish over and over and over again, here's what we call, we look at them one day. One day we look at them and, and the person who used to take our breath away, the person who used to go, oh, two, now we go, meh. Because they have no value because we took it all. And then we say things like, I fell out of love. You didn't fall out of love, you ran out of love. Because you spent it all. You took it. Withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. If you look at your relationship, if you treated your relationship the same way you treat your bank account, you'd still be in love. Because we got to make sure to make regular deposits in our bank account. Our relationships are the only things that we feel comfortable making more withdrawals than we do deposits. Every month, my bank account sends a certain amount to my IRA, and that grows over time. Every month, you know the secret to having a love that grows 30, 40, 50, 60 years? Setting up automated, regular deposits. That's how you do it. And, and this is what happens when you serve, okay? When you serve, when you make the bed. You know, that's a big deal for some, some married couples. She feels love. You're valuing her. Why? Because you serve the things that you value. That's why your most expensive sneakers are in a, in a, in a safe somewhere, my sneaker heads, All right? This is why you're the, the car that's the most expensive is the one you're always cleaning, right? Because we serve the things that we value, but it also reverses. We value the things we serve. So when we, you know, make dinner, boom, you know, it was without her knowing. It's, it's, it's serving when, you know, when we... Pay attention to the cues for the massage. You know how sometimes he'd be like, well, I could really use a massage right now. My back hurts. You pretend like you don't hear him. <laughs> or even worse, you'd be like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know? But if you're like, yeah, baby, you know, I'm tired. And I know you're tired because it takes, it takes energy to value. And, but you give it. And it goes back and forth. And that's serving. It, it values that person. This is what saved my marriage. Eight years being married, it was the closest we ever got to divorce. Not because I filed, not because I Googled divorce lawyers in Orlando. Something stupid happened in New York City. It was a really ridiculous argument. And I just remember looking at Liz for the first time thinking, if this doesn't work out, I'm okay. And it shook me to my core. Because for the first time in my life, I got a vision of our life not together. And you gotta be careful of what you envision because reality always follows vision. So once I got the vision of our life without each other and I was afraid it was gonna turn to reality, you know what I did when I got home? Served the heck out of her. I got home and I started doing chores that I had never done in my life. All her chores. I wasn't just doing the dishes. I wasn't just making meals. I wasn't just cleaning the grout. I cleaned the grout. You know what else I did? You know the, when you floss and the food gets on the mirror and you, I cleaned all of that, all of that off. And something happened. My body was reminding my soul how special she is. Oh, I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to save you. My body was reminding my soul how unique she was, how wonderful she was, how beautiful. My body was reminding my soul Motion creates emotion. As I was moving, my, the, 
And so one day we were in the shower. It was like two or three weeks of me just serving my brains out. She looked at me. She kind of started to, you know, emotional. She's like, hey, I just want you to know I've, I've noticed all the things in the house that you've been doing. She, she knew it was different. So she says, everything okay? I said, actually, New York, and I got a vision, and it was scary. And I said, I started cleaning it. I love you, girl. I'm so sorry. I love you. I should have told you, but I just started serving. But, but I'm better now. I'm better now. She said, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. Thank you. It felt weird. I knew it. But that's so great. It's amazing. Yeah, I apologize. I'm sorry. Boom, God restored our relationship right there in the bathroom. And then she looked at me. She said, so does that mean you're going to keep doing the chores? I said, no. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a break in case of emergency, and the emergency has passed. So we good. We good. We good. We good. Serving adds value. Now, you know why we don't serve, right? We don't serve because if I'm always giving from me to her, from me to her, or if I'm always giving from her to him, you know, from her to him, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then here's why I don't do it, Pastor JJ, because then what about me? Who's going to fill my tank up, Pastor JJ? What's, what's, what's going on there? Let me explain. You're, you still have yourself too high on the list. Here's what the Bible says. Philippians, we're going to keep reading it. It's not just humble myself. You also have to, this is hard, die to yourself. Die to myself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to what? To what? To what? To death. Even death on a cross. Here's how this practically looks. Ready? I'm going to read this verse and this is like every woman's like least favorite verse in the Bible that I have talked to about this verse. And I just want you to know, don't be mad at me. I did not write this verse. I am reading the verse. If you don't like this verse, take it up with God. <laughs> Send him an email. Tell him you'd like some adjustments. I'm just reading it. But I do think one of the reasons why women have an issue with this verse and I speak very hesitantly as a man, is because it's been mistaught by men. So I'd like to teach you the proper biblical explanation of this passage. It is in Ephesians 5, verse 22. Put it on the screen. Wives. I didn't write it. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives to submit to their husbands and everything. Now, let me really quickly qualify it and really help you. I think this is mistaught in a bunch of ways. First off, it doesn't mean, when it says everything, it doesn't mean everything. So you should never submit to your husband if he asks you to do something that is sinful in nature. You should never submit to your husband if he asks you to do something that pulls you away from God or makes you uncomfortable in, in, in a physical, sexual, intimate way. That is not it at all. Also, it doesn't mean, husbands, that you can just you know, call me Lord. When I step into the house, I like master my master. You know, I don't, no, 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 no. That's not what the Bible teaches women are. In order to understand this passage, you have to go back to Genesis and how women were created. When women was created, she was created from the man. But notice the part of the body that the woman was created from. She wasn't created from the head because she is not above man. But she also wasn't created from the feet that she should be below man. The Bible teaches that she was 
pulled out from his side. We say rib. The Bible says side. You know why? Because she is equal to man. I thought I'd have more women clapping or celebrating that point right there. You are, you are not a lesser creation. In fact, it wasn't until... For six days, God made things, and he said, it ain't good. It wasn't until woman hit the scene that he said, now it's done. When you were created, he was like, now we good. You are the equal to man, equal in rights, equal in respect, equal in voice, equal in, in influence, equal. The only thing the submission part means is if we are 50-50 in our home, and we cannot agree, and somebody needs to make a decision, and we cannot decide on what it is, here's the only thing the submit part means. Husband, you get 51%. We're going we're gonna to trust you to make that decision. And I know what women are thinking. Women are thinking, but that's not fair. Because <laughs> if I submit, what do I got? But look at the next verse. It saves you. And husbands, now I'm coming for you. Because look what it says in verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And in case you forgot how he loved her, he died for her. In other words, yeah, you make the decision. But once you factor in all of the factors, here's your deciding factor. Because Christ died for the church, I What's in the best interest of my wife? And you give it back to her. So he made the decision, but he got to make it for you. And then here's how it's supposed to work. Then the wife goes, oh my gosh, thank you so much. You did that for me? You made that decision for me? When you make decisions for me, that makes me want to trust you more, which makes me want to submit more. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for putting me first. That's amazing. I'm a, you're, the, you're the greatest, best husband in the entire world. I love you so much. And then the husband goes, oh my gosh, you trusted me? Thank you for trusting me. Because you trust me, guess what? The next decision I make is also going to be made for you. And it's also going to be made for your good. And it's also going to be made. Here's the deal. It's not even a principle of female submission. It's a principle of mutual submission. We're supposed to submit unto one another. But what happens? That's how it works in a perfect world. In a perfect marriage, that's how it works. We just keep out serving each other, you know? Oh my gosh, you made the bed, I'll make dinner. Oh my God, you make dinner, I'll cut the lawn. Oh my gosh, you cut the lawn, I'll paint the house, whatever. Right? That's how it works in a perfect marriage. Can we be real? It doesn't always work like that. What happens when you're in a relationship where it feels like you're always the one giving, you're always the one giving, you're always the one giving, but no one's giving back? Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another. That's the mutual submission principle. Same passage, out of reverence for who? So here's the deal. I wasn't even doing it so that you could give me something back. I was doing it for Christ. And when I do it for Christ, here's what I'm doing it. I'm remembering what he did for me, and that becomes the motivation to do it for you, even if you're not doing it for me. God, that's good preaching. So, so when you have trouble submitting to your husband, you remember you're not even submitting to him. The Bible says, as unto Christ. So, so even though you're not filling me up, even though you're not filling me up, husband, even though you haven't really been investing in our relationship, even though you haven't really done any chores around the house, you haven't been spending time with the girls, you haven't been romancing me, you stopped trying to look cute for me, even though you stopped doing that, husband, you know what? I'm not serving you for you. 
I'm serving you for Christ. In fact, I remember what Jesus did for me. I remember how much God forgave me. I remember how his patience sustained me. I remember how when I got in his presence in worship and his presence filled the bedroom and reminded me that I'm not alone. I remember when you wouldn't say sweet things to me, how I opened up his word and the word said, my thoughts of you are more numerous than the grains of the sand, that I love you. I remember when I couldn't feel your love, I started to feel his love and I'm thankful for the love of God. And then the husband goes, and you know what? It's cool. Even if you don't love me, even if you don't honor me, I know God honors me. Even if you won't hug me, I know God hugs me. Even if you leave me I know God will never leave me God loves me God forgave me God gave me hope God gave me dreams God gave me peace God gives me love God gives me life God gives me strength God gives me hope God gives it to me God gives it to me I come from you and here's the beautiful thing here's the beautiful thing the love that you're giving your spouse isn't even your love for your spouse it's God's love for you overflowing into your spouse Stand to your feet, stand to your feet all over this room. It's not even, it's God's love for me that overflows into you. So I don't need you to do it for me. God does it for me. He fills my tank. He fills my tank. I want to pray for two people today. Two people today. I want to pray for the selfish person. Somebody say, I can be selfish. Okay, so I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for me. I want to pray. And, I'm, and that God would humble you that you would humble yourself to put her needs, his needs before your needs, to think about them before you to lower yourself. You're not that great. Come on. We're all saved, sinners saved by grace. But I got a heart for another group of people here. I want to pray for those who, listen to me, you've been nothing but selfless and you've gotten nothing in return. You've been pouring your whole life out for this person. You've got nothing in return. My prayer is that God will fill the void that that person has created. Let him be the one to pour into you. Let me pray for both people by your heads. Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we present our selfishness. Come on, make it personal now. You know where you can be selfish. You know where you can be selfish. God, we present our selfishness right now and we lay our selfishness down. Come on, I need you to use your own words during this prayer. Would you tell the Lord, I don't want to be selfish anymore. Tell him in your own word, humble me, Lord. Humble me, Lord. Where in my life can I have humility? I don't want to be selfish anymore. In my friendships, I don't want to be selfish in my friendships. When I date, I don't want to be selfish when I date with my dad. I don't want to be selfish with my dad, with my kids. I don't want to be selfish with my mom. I don't want to be selfish. Help me not to be selfish, to put work before them, my emotions before them. Help me not to be selfish. I also want to pray for those right now who are devastated because you've been nothing but selfless, but you've got nothing in return. If that's you, I pray that the love of God will fill your heart right now, that the value you feel right now would not be the value that you get for a person or from a person, but you get it from the love of God right now, wherever you are. Holy Spirit, would you fill that void? Would you fill that gap? And on an even deeper level, if you've never made a decision to start a relationship with Christ, this is your moment to let him fill your life right now. All over this building, if you can hear my voice and you want to decide today to begin a relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your right hand high to the sky. God, I need you. All over this room, on three, you're ready to start fresh. One, two, three. All over this building, shoot your hand high. I see it. I see it. I'm with you. I'm with you. I see it. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. You can put your hand down. Let's tell the Lord. Lord, come on, come on, pray this out loud. Say, say, say Lord, I can be selfish. 
But today, I declare, I need you. Fill every gap, fill every void. Forgive me for my sin. I want to start a new life with you today. Receive me, Jesus. I know I am received. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus and for all those who made a decision to follow Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.